Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Sunday, August the 20th, 2017. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at MetsmorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get a replay of the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If I'm not on one, send me a note. And I'm sure there will be a way to get on there. Hope everybody's doing well, of course. It's our Dog Days of Summer call and show. We have a couple people already on hold, and I'll get to them in just a minute. Want to set things up over here. Going to be planning on going about an hour, maybe a little bit more. It'll depend on, uh, obviously, the live call-in. I have a ton of comments and discussion topics that you guys have sent in either via email, on the mailbag, uh, in the comments section over at MetsmorizedOnline.com. So we got a lot to talk about. Actually, you guys, a very impressive um, commentary uh, gave me some things to prepare for and prep for and think about and talk about as uh, we head into the final weeks of a very disappointing 2017 season. And, and that's really where I'll set the show up before I get to the calls and I'll I'll make this as brief as possible because the one thing I really want to accentuate that's important for the rest of 2017, because I'm not in the camp 
that this is a you know a, another rebuild. This should not be another rebuild. This is not a a tear down Florida Marlins fire sale rebuild scenario. Obviously, the Mets will go into next year with tons of question marks, regardless of how the offseason plays out. Because until the major pitchers on this roster show that they're healthy, it's not really going to matter to Hill of Beans who they bring in offensively. So let's just get that out there. But what I think is really important as they play out the string, as guys like Ahmed Rosario and Dominic Smith and Brandon Nimmo, and maybe, you know, now you've got uh, uh, another young arm that may be up, a reliever, Jacob Rom, that you got or they got from the Dodgers, uh, Callahan over in Las Vegas. I don't know if any of those young arms that they've been trading for over the last few weeks will be on the 40-man and will be with the team in September. But regardless of all the young players that you see, Ploiecki now maybe getting a shot to get some significant playing time and maybe unseat Travis Darno as the starting catcher. The real important thing I'm looking for is winning. And you'll say, well, why? Lose, collapse, uh, you know, get the best draft pick. You don't want to set a culture of losing. Because what 2015 did and, and the hope of 2015 was that you moved away from the losing. You moved away from the negativity. All the years of you know 2010 and 2011 and then when Sandy Alderson came in, the rebuild and some of those uh, dog days of August and those empty uh, city field seats in September, it all paid off and the team had turned the corner. And really, this year is, has been a huge step back on a myriad uh, number of levels because it's not just about the injuries. It's about coming in with the right mindset to prepare, to go out and win. I've said it a thousand times. I really put the coaching staff, the manager, on the hot seat with that. I think you still see it. I think you still see a team that doesn't necessarily play fundamental, doesn't have their heads in the game. I don't see any indication, despite all the salesmanship by Terry Collins, that this team plays hard. And I think it's really important over the last six weeks to play hard and win and try to win and show that these guys are out there trying to establish there's only eight guys left from the 2015 team. The next culture of winning. If you have truly built, because you still have core players from the 2015 squad that are going to probably contribute at some point this year. Familia will be back. I'm pretty sure Harvey will get a start. DeGrom is obviously in there. I'm not sure about Syndergaard, but I wouldn't be surprised in some capacity, even if it's in, out of a bullpen, maybe getting a couple innings. At some point, I've got to think Syndergaard's going to want to get into a ball game. These are guys that are going to be back. You know, Steven Matz is, is obviously still pitching, not pitching well, but pitching. And those are the guys that are going to be the foundation, Cespedes. And I know he's been a topic, and, and we'll get to him as I saw a lot of commentary about Cespedes, and now he's playing. This should not be a situation where these guys lay down, play sloppy, play uninspired, even if you have some really empty crowds, and you will at City Field the rest of the year. Because the one thing, this isn't fantasy baseball. This isn't like going on Facebook and playing one of those Moogle games. You want to continue to establish accountability, a culture of winning. Uh, it's, ne it's necessary. Young players come into losing environments. They get bad habits. They get bad mindsets. And just because you go out and you sign every free agent under the sun doesn't mean that that's going to change. And that's what's really important. And when people say, just lose, baby, I've seen that on Twitter. I cringe because I'm like, that's not what you want. Are they going to lose? Sure, they're going to lose. 
because they don't have the same offensive firepower that they have. And I'm not quite sure some of the players that we just mentioned are everyday players. I think they could be nice, solid backups. Uh, some of them may be 4A guys. They're going to shuttle. Uh, they could be components to a team, components to a winning team. I'm not sure they're core players. The two that are really on stage here are real, really have uh, a situation where they're on the clock are Rosario and Smith. And, and there's a lot of questions about them as well. So right now, that's the real theme. I am still looking for this team to compete and win, and I'm not quite sure you're seeing that day in and day out. When I hear things like on Friday, uh, I know there was a rain delay. I know they were coming out of the Subway Series scenario. When Terry Collins says things like the air is out of the balloon, that's unacceptable. If you're a minor leaguer and you just got called up and you're now for the first time on the 40-man, and you're getting your big league shot. I don't care what your Baseball America ranking is. I don't care if you're a Meta Rosario, who is a top one or two prospect in all of baseball, or you're Nimmo, who's trying to find his way, or you're Palawicki, who's had a, a couple opportunities to contribute to this team over the last couple of years, and you're trying to really finally take a foothold on some kind of position. I don't care who you are. You can't have the air out of the balloon. You know, Cespedes can have the air out of the balloon, and he will, and we'll get to that later. But those guys can't, and those are the guys, Conforto as well, those are the guys where that's not acceptable because if the air is out of the balloon, when your career is on the line, and make no mistake, I don't care how highly regarded you are, it could go away in an instant. The air can't be out of the balloon. You need to be out there competing hard, playing, and winning. And what would impress me the most in the September, and it would be at least, not that I would want Terry Collins back, but it would at least make that salesmanship of, quote-unquote, they play hard for me, and, and that's been Terry's calling card. That's been the badge he's worn since day one he's been here. And I've seen very little evidence of it at any point in time, uh, you know, when things have not been in his favor and all the cards have been stacked, the deck has been stacked in his favor, that at least give me a feeling that maybe some of that salesmanship, which I think is total BS, is maybe a smidge true. And that's what I'll be looking for over the last few weeks. Uh, we'll get to, and it's going to be hard to evaluate a lot of these trades. And who knows, maybe while we're on the air, there's some talk. I saw a report uh, over at Mets blog that Estrubal Cabrera now is drawing some interest. And, and who knows, maybe there'll be another move while we're still on the air. So let's get to the phone lines. Let's get to the mailbag. Let's kick it off. I think we're going to be going up to Westchester uh, 914-649. By the way, the guys... 646-716-8187 is the number. 646-716-8187. And we have our first caller, 914-649. You're on the air with Mike Silva. Hey, Mike. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I'm Charles from Westchester. Uh, hey, Charles. really enjoy the show. Thank you very much. Hey, yeah, I, I, I have to tell you, Mike, I just really, as a, as a Met, realistic Mets fan, I really just love hearing your honesty. It's just a breath of fresh air. And, um, I know you were saying you were going to get to Cespedes because the theme of your show, the dog days, it's only fitting because Cespedes is played like a dog. Like, I was at the game today. He drops the fly ball, home run aside. Like, all, like just his loafing sets a really bad example to a lot of these younger kids coming up, and there's just no excuse. I don't care how much he's getting paid. You correctly pointed out that Terry is not – has not made any of these guys accountable. And Cespedes is the first guy that they need to – like, I know he's got a guaranteed contract, but 
there just needs to be – he needs – they need to put him on notice. Like, if we're talking about leaders that are gone like Granderson and David Wright's not in the locker room anymore, Cespedes, clearly Terry Collins is not setting the tone. Cespedes is not setting the tone. Who's setting the tone for this team down the stretch about playing hard like you were talking about? I can't disagree with you. I think here's the thing, Charles. Uh, first, when you sign Cespedes, I think everybody in the back of their head knew that this was something that could be part of the Cespedes package. Not excusing it, but it's part of it. If you look at his numbers with the Red Sox when they were out of the pennant race in 2014, they were pretty bad. And I think Cespedes is a guy that thrives on being in a winning environment and with energy. And there's neither one of those components that the 2017 Mets. To your point, it's not acceptable. And the fact that if I'm the general manager, and I, and, you know, I, know, I understand that front offices look like, well, look at things differently now, you know, much more from a, a metric standpoint. And I don't know if they put as much value into some of this intricate stuff that we're talking about right now. I would go out there and, and when he loafs, I would take him out of the game. Obviously, you're hurting, I would say. You know, do a, you know, for that old narrative, Gil Hodges type of situation. I think Terry's, a couple of things about Terry, and I'm not in the clubhouse. But, for, you know, I could read enough about this and look as, a, as an intelligent person and say, number one, I think he's afraid of, of, of the players revolting against him. Uh, number two, I think he's afraid of Cespedes going after him, having an issue. And this might sound, you know, bad and you guys get mad at me. He doesn't want to have an issue with the Latino contingent in that, that clubhouse. Um, and Cespedes is part of that. And, and he's a star. So you got yourself a situation where your manager is afraid to take on not only a star player, uh, take on a player in a sect in that clubhouse. Uh, to me, that's where this starts. I've been talking about this, uh, Charles, since the beginning of the year. The manager and the pitching coach and the theme from that field and that dugout is as much of the reason why they're in this situation right now as anything else. Are they bad defensively? Yes, they're bad defensively. Do they have injuries? Yes. But I think, and I'll ask you this, Charles, despite all that, do you really believe they should be 14 games under 500? No, Leading no, absolutely the trade. Not. Before no. the trades, now it's different. The trades have changed things. But before the trades, should they have been as bad as they are, even no. with everything no, of course that's not. been thrown on their plate? No. No, I, I'm not disagreeing with you there. Um, this team has completely underperformed, and they're, even with all the injuries and all the setbacks, this team should not be 14 games under 500. That is completely unacceptable. And I just think, you, and to your point, Mike, you need to get a manager who will put Cespedes on notes because clearly Terry Collins never disciplines anybody. He never sits anybody down who doesn't hustle. Because like you said, earlier in his career, players revolted against him, and he doesn't want that same thing to happen to him here. But you know what? That's why this, there, there's no leadership, and it starts from the top, though. Because you know what? Sandy's going to hire another guy like Terry who he's going to boss around and – He's just gonna, and the players are going to run the asylum. And unfortunately, I just don't feel like anything's going to change. And, and that's really what worries me, Mike, because, you know, as, as bad, Terry has his faults, but this goes beyond Terry. This is more than a Terry problem. I feel like this is a Sandy problem. And even further up the chain, it's a Wilpon problem. Obviously, we can't do anything about, you know, the owners, but I think it starts with Sandy finding a field general who will, really just discipline the players when they're not given 100%, because clearly Cespedes is not. And that sets a bad example to these younger kids like Rosario and Smith and Nimmo, as you pointed out. Because like you said, we want to see these kids down the stretch being immersed in a winning environment going to next year. 
Okay, Charles, great call. Uh, thank you so much for the kind words. Awesome stuff. Uh, I agree with him 100%. And look, you guys might get mad. Well, the whole Latino thing. This isn't about race. I'm not trying to go back to 2007, 2008. You have sex in a clubhouse. You know, they have the, you know, there's all these clicks. You want to call them, kids? I shouldn't say sex, maybe clicks in the clubhouse. And uh, that's just reality. It's like any kind of group. People are going to ra- gravitate towards like-minded people. Uh, and that's okay. You know, that's human, human nature. But taking on Cespedes, you're taking on a whole segment of the clubhouse. And look, I'm a disciplined guy. I've told you this guy's a ton on this podcast. Have you been listening? If you listen to this podcast, you know, growing up, the coach that I idolize, if you want to use that word, because I hate that word, because, you know, that's, you know, it's almost like you're, you're putting someone on a godlike statue here or plane, uh, it was Pat Riley. And, and that was a disciplined coach who, who, you know, was his way or the highway. And I understand that that's not something you could do 100% anymore with the way sports and groups and the world has changed. But there's a lot of that that you can do. And Terry doesn't do any of it. And, 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 I, and I don't want to make this all about Terry because there's so much that we could get to. But he's right. You know, Cespedes does not hustle. Cespedes does not set the right example. But when the Mets signed Cespedes, they signed him for his power and for his bat in the middle of the lineup. Uh, when he came over in 2015, he was there for those reasons. He was not there to be a club leader. Those were guys like Wright and Murphy and Kadire and Granderson and guys like that who were there. And those guys are, are all gone, and Wright's pretty much gone, even though he's still on the roster. So what you get from Cespedes is not leadership, but there should be accountability, and it should start with the manager holding him accountable, and I'd like to see the next Mets manager, hopefully it won't be Terry Collins, do just that. Let's move over to the boroughs. we got a 718 uh, area code, 718-327. Give me your name. Yes. You're on the air with Mike Silva on the Talking Mets podcast. Hey, how are you? It's uh, Max here. And uh, you make excellent points about having that winning culture. A big reason, in my opinion, why the Yankees were successful this season was that momentum that carried off. Because they weren't expected to go on the run they did at the end last year. And when you have a positive vibe, it's just it's a whole different mentality. And that's why I didn't want to get rid of guys like Jay Blues for nothing. But... The point about Cespedes, first of all, nobody hustles more from first to third or any time that he even sniffs a hit, he'll go all out. People don't realize that's not lack of hustle, what he's doing. When you drop a ball, he dropped the ball in the opening series last year versus Kansas City um, in, in the regular season. So it's, it's not about that. I have no problem with Cespedes. I think he's a good guy. My biggest concern is in 2013, everybody predicted the Toronto Blue Jays to win 90-plus games Bleacher Report, you know, had them winning 94 games. They ended up finishing in fourth place with Jose Reyes. The 2015 Blue Jays, a team with Edwin Encarnacion, Batista, Mark Burley, who had a great year, Stroman Estrada, they were under 500 with Jose Reyes in the middle of the year to where their general manager came out midseason and said, we're massively underachieving. They got rid of Reyes. Tulowitzki did nothing, yet they got 25 games better that same year. The Rockies got 20 games worse. What I'm saying is if you look at over every full season with Jose Reyes, the end result is either historic collapse or massive underachieving. He's the one weird guy that his unhealthiness, it messes up everyone's timing. They lose in urgency. There were many games at the beginning of the year that could have gone either way. When you have an unhealthy presence in that, on that team, constantly laughing, messing up everyone's timing, you're going to come up short. Cespedes has completely gone downhill ever since Reyes showed up. And as a fact, to show the influence, Cespedes never in his life bleached his hair and only started bleaching his hair after Reyes showed up. So that's one another part of evidence that shows that Reyes has an influence. It doesn't matter who the Mets get next year, who's healthy, whether it's Harvey, DeGrom, they will not 
sniff even competitive baseball if this guy's anywhere near the team. And you look at even 2006, he was very young. He did not have as much of an influence, and they still came up short. They should have beat the Cardinals. But you look, you look at every single year after 2006, historic collapses or disaster. And last year, the red flag that I kept in t- talking about was that they felt the 60 and 62 a month and a half after he showed up. So he clearly wasn't a spark because they went downhill after he showed up. And he hit 200 the final month in September. Those were the red flags that you start a full season with that unhealthiness, you will go nowhere. And that's why my biggest concern going forward, if this team wants any chance of competing next year, is to get this guy as far away from this team as possible. Thank you so much for taking the call. Uh, listen, and, and thank you, Max. Um, interesting take. Uh, I don't disagree with everything. I don't know if I would just say Cespedes. Uh, Reyes is the only one. Look, there's clearly not the same grinder-winning mindset on this club that there was in 2015. And I didn't like the way they played last year. I mean, since this podcast, since the inception of this podcast, and maybe I'm the jinx, maybe I'm the guy, they have not played to the level that I expected them to, you know, coming off of what was really a disappointing end to 2015, where they should have won that World Series. But look, think about it. The Royals grinded out that series, and even when the Royals had a commanding lead in that series, and they could have just packed it in, left New York, went to Kansas City, said, we're up 3-2, we'll get a game six or game seven. They kept coming, they kept coming, they kept coming. That's how mindset that a team gets from its manager and starts at the, with the, at the top with the manager in the field and goes all the way down through the clubhouse. And the Mets don't have those guys, and if that's Reyes, I'm not going to dis- dispute all that with you, but I think it's just more than Reyes. I don't think just getting rid of Reyes. I think they, Sandy has to look at that clubhouse, and, and I don't think the guys that have left have been part of the problem. I don't certainly don't think Duda or Bruce or Walker or Granderson are part of the problem. Cabrera, that's, that's to be debated. Uh, certainly Reyes is, is a conversation, and that's complicated because you don't know what Ahmed Rosario is going to be. Now, certainly you could go out and get another guy like Reyes, and we could go through the free agent list in a little bit because I was looking at it earlier. There's not a lot out there, a veteran, that if Rosario falls on his face and collapses, you don't want a situation where you have to keep him at short and play him if he's really not showing the development that you think he should be at starting 2018. You're going to need a veteran, veteran because that's if you're winning. If you're not looking to win next year, and I saw some people in the comments section over at MetsmorizedOnline.com talking about hey, you know, let's just, you know, pack this in and, and get a two-year plan. I don't really believe it should be a two-year plan. You have things to work with here. You didn't sign Cespedes to this deal. You didn't bring these pitchers and, and, and have these pitchers to, 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 to just walk away now uh, and rebuild, you know, when things don't go well. I really, you know, that's not the way this works, so... Um, interesting take. I know Max, I think he said it before on the prior podcast. I think I've seen him say this in, in some of the comment sections. He's been anti-Reyes. Um, I think they do have to look at some of the people that they have there and some of the people that they bring in and are, are these guys, New York guys, these guys that are going to bring the Mets to that next level. Uh, even the, even the guys the, who are the component players, you know, you're missing guys that you had like Juan Uribe and Kelly Johnson I'm not saying bring those guys back, but that they brought a certain mindset that maybe is missing. And if you read Joel Sherman's column, I know I've been one who's been, who's been very intrigued by Mike Moustakis of Kansas City, who's a free agent. 
And there's some concerns, at least from Sherman, I think, in the New York Post. I'm trying to think it was almost positive it was a Joel Sherman column. Well, the Moustakis is the guy that can handle New York. He said Hosmer, and he thinks Lorenzo Cain can, wasn't sure about Moustakis. And that's the kind of stuff that the Mets have to do their due diligence. Because if they are going to go out, and they are going to sign a free agent, you know, they got to make sure that this guy is ready for what's going to be, regardless of what the pundits say, high expectations. Because the fans tasted the World Series in 2015. And it's just two years later. And we could not be on... Polar ends of the spectrum here. Polar opposites of the spectrum. And uh, I don't think the fans want to go through 2011 and 2012 and 2013 and, and the irrelevance that those rebuilding years uh, brought up. Not yet. Not yet. It's, it's, you know, you're going to get five-year cycles here, but not yet. 646-716-8187. Call in. Let me get to the phone lines again. Let's go out. Uh, I think we got uh, New Jersey here. 908 548 how you doing? You're on the air with Mike. What's your name? Where Where are you from? How you doing? Great show. Thank you. So I wanted to talk to you about our bullpen. Obviously, now we have a lot of new new arms with all the trades that that have that have gone down. So I wanted to ask you about who you could see get, getting called up in September, like Callahan or even like a Drew Smith. So I wanted to ask you, like, how many like how many of our how many of our young guys now? the minors can make an impact in, in the bullpen for next year? That's an interesting question. Well, it looks like Jacob Rum, uh, who they just got, uh, is is one name that possibly will be up. Callahan is the name that you feel uh, will be up. Um, you know, i got to pop up their 40-man. The issue you're going to have, and this is where some of the uh, trades come into play, is you need to be able to bring guys up and put them on the 40-man roster. So, and once you put them on the 40-man, now it, there's other liabilities. There's other liabilities like, you know, big league insurance, so your benefits costs go up and all these other sorts of things. And I'm not saying that's why the Mets will or will not put these guys on. But once you put them on, to take them off, now they got to go through waivers and things like that. So you got to make sure when you put them on that they're on and, and you're sold on that. And um, they may not want to do that with a Drew Smith. A Rom, they may not want to do that either because they may want to see these guys in spring training. See, the thing about the last guy they bought, they, 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 they acquired with Grandison from the Dodgers Rom, he throws hard, but it doesn't seem like there's uh, a ton of secondary pitches out there. He's got a slider, which may be due to its velocity and the way his delivery is might provide some deception. I've been reading a few scouting reports uh, from Baseball America and, and other Dodger blog sites. I don't know where they get some of this information, but everybody's got some information that they put out there. So, um, you know, for sure, uh, I think that they're going to look at guys like that. I think Callahan's the most likely guy to come up. Kevin McGowan, who was just up and got brought back down, I'd like the Mets to, uh, to take a look at him. The Mets' bullpen has actually been pretty good since early August, if you look at some of the numbers. I think what you see right now is they have a lot of guys who are profiling, at least from their splits, as situational type of pitchers. Jason Bradford is much better against righties than lefties. Paul Seawald is much better against righties than lefties. That's why if you were actually, and, and this is where you could debate the whole you know, playing to win and, 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 and the mindset and things like that. You know, When Didi Gregorius had that big double, I think with the bases loaded, and that, I think it was the third game of this series, off of Seawald, 
that was a situation that screamed for a lefty to come in. It really did. Now, Terry allowed Seawold to go after Gregorius, despite the fact the splits are clearly not indicating that Seawold should get the, the tough lefty in that spot. But maybe at that point, Terry's trying to see what Seawold has. Can he get lefties out? Uh, you know, I don't know enough about him in the minor leagues, and, and truthfully, it doesn't really matter in the minor leagues because you really now he's he's a big league pitcher, and his history and whatever he did in the minor leagues doesn't matter because his history in the big leagues is what takes precedence. So, um, regardless, uh, I think that that's that's another part to your question is putting guys in situations to see what they have and who they are. And right now, they have a lot of situational guys. They have Familia coming back, which it sounds like he's you know not too far off. He's doing his rehab assignment. He should be back before the month is out. Uh, we know uh, what you have with Jerry Blevins. Uh, you know, you you uh, AJ Ramos is going to be in there. I'm not I'm not really sure how I how much I like AJ Ramos to tell you the truth. I think he's a guy that when he's in a non-save situation has shown that he may not be the same pitcher. And I don't think he's going to be getting as many save situations unless they flip he and Familia. I don't know how they're going to do that. I, you know, Familia's been the guy here. So, so um, I think from Young Arms, just to summarize, McGowan, Callahan, I think you'll see. Maybe Rom, I think that's to be uh, determined. I don't think you'll see Drew Smith. He's down in double A. I think he struck seven of uh, eight batters out. Drew Smith is the guy they got for Lucas Duda. And then the other guys they got in the Boston trade, those guys are far, far off. And 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 anything anybody they got uh, the, the young kid they got in the uh, Jay Bruce trade far off. I mean I don't see those guys having any impact. So you're really looking at maybe two arms uh, that'll have any impact between now and even in spring training. I don't think any of the other young kids will be ready by spring training. And I think they're going to have to go out. And if you go and you look at the free agent list uh, as far as relievers, I know there was uh, John Harper mentioned Wade Davis, which would be interesting. And I'll get to payroll. I want to get to the phone lines. There's still some calls on hold here. Uh, the, uh, the, the relievers are out there. Guys like Joe Smith are going to be out there. Uh, Uhara from uh, you know, former Red Sox closer. Uhara, I should say. I should say his name right. You know, Tony Watson is a lefty. Uh, K-Rod is going to be out there. I don't know if he has anything left. Uh, Jake McGee will be out there. So there will be guys out there. But if you want a guy like Wade Davis, you've got to think you're looking at I mean, A, would he take a job not being a closer? I would think you'd have to guarantee him to be the closer. You're going to have to pay him at least $10 million a year, maybe more. Uh, he, there has been some health issues over the last year. He was healthy this year, but there was some health issues last year. You're getting into the back half of his career. These guys, you know, relievers, after they put some miles on them, just like a car, they tend to break down. So you don't want to be on the wrong side of that car ownership or that lease, if that's what you want to call it. So, Luke Gregerson, there's a few names out there that are that are interesting. Um, I don't know if that's how the Mets will spend their money on their budget. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Again, the number is 646-716-8187. I want to hear from you. I know there was a couple of guys on hold that uh, popped off uh, while I was uh, reacting to some of the other callers. So call back in. we got time. Uh, we're going to be here till at least 9 o'clock. We'll see how it goes, maybe a little bit past 9. Again, the number is 646-716-8187. Let's go to 973-320. What's your name? You're on the air with Mike Silva. Hi, Mike. This is Chris from Nutley. 
Hey, Chris. So uh, I've been looking at the Mets' holes for next year. It looks like they got five gaping wounds that they need to deal with. They need two starting pitchers. They need a second baseman, a third baseman, and a center fielder. And I'm looking at the budgetary comments that I've been hearing from Sandy and then the rumors, and I'm wondering how many of those five holes does he have enough money and trade chips to plug and what ones do you think would you do in order? Well, two starting pitchers is probably not going to happen. I think I would say I definitely think they need a veteran starter. And unfortunately, if you go and look at the free agent list, there's really nothing. There's nobody out there that would fit. I'm not talking about Jake Arrieta. I'm talking about you know it would be perfect. And I think they're going to. I've heard that John Heyman said today they, pro, they might pick up his option. R.A. Dickey would be perfect. For the rotation, if you think about it, give you innings. Uh, he's been here before. I know it's kind of like going back. You're not going to get Cy Young Dickey, but uh, think about that. You get some innings there. I definitely think getting a veteran starter. The the role that Cologne played, I, I would think you'd agree, is sorely missed this year because I think that's where the young pitchers they almost kind of orbit around. Hey, that guy's going to give us a solid outing. So even if there's a, a little bit of a blip with the young guys. Well, they're not so young anymore, the starters, but that guy will give us seven innings, three runs. I think that's what they need. Uh, as far as the other major piece, I don't think they're going to get a big bat in all those positions that you mentioned. they got to go out and get and replace some of this offense. They're not going to replace all of it. Um, and the biggest bat out there is Moustakas, but again, you're hearing that, you know, A, are they going to go that route, and, and would he want to play in New York? There's been some question, at least from Joel Sherman, about that. Um, David Wright certainly is hovering because you're essentially telling David you're done once you bring a third baseman, which I, I think we all know he is, but is he ready to accept that? And how does that play, again, in the hierarchy of the team with the owner, the clubhouse, and things like that? You need to go out and get a big bat. And believe it or not, if Moustakis is the answer, guess what the next big bat is? What, Jay Bruce? It's almost like you're going to go back and maybe bring the guys that are free agents back because even you look at Neil Walker, he might want to be, look at, you know, baseball ref, uh, cost contracts, uh, MLB trade rumors. He's the best, one of the best free agent second baseman options out there. There's really not a lot on the free agent market. It's almost got to come via trades. Maybe they can free up uh, one of the 900 right-handed relief pitchers he just picked up. <laughs> That's true. They could, they could go and trade him back, but... Uh, I think that, and I think um, I think they're going to have to play. Uh, I think they're going to have to look at some of these veterans that they could plug in, and 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 look at. Let's face it. If my estimation is right, the payroll is about a hundred million dollars going into next year. That's what arbitration and everything. If they spend fifty million to get it back up to this year, they have fifty million to spend. You go after a stud like Mustafa. 20 to 25 of that is probably gone out the window, right? Forget about the David Wright yeah. insurance and all that. Oh, so, yeah. so, you know, that doesn't leave you a lot to spend if you bring in a starter. A veteran starter is going to be 8 to $10 million. Two players will probably suck up $35 million if you go that route. So they're going to have to, if they want to compete, they're going to have to spend about $50 million. And I think they're going to have to do it with some veterans that have something to prove. You may have to go back out and sign some of the guys you just let go because you know what you could get. You know they could play here. 
And uh, let's face it, if, 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 if their trade value was anything of an indication, I'm not quite sure that they're going to go out there and get the long-term contracts like some of the other guys are. But great points. What would you do? Is there anybody you're looking at? I don't love a long-term deal on Moustakis, but he might be the best sort of best of need that they can afford in there. I mean, I, you got to go pitcher. A starting pitcher has to happen first, and I think they can band-aid the lineup together a lot quicker than they can band-aid the rotation together. I agree with that. And you don't know what Dominic Smith – I mean, Dominic Smith might actually turn into your 20 home. He might replace Duda on many levels. Rosario adds another component. I mean, center field, I mean, if you really want to be realistic, take Moustakas and, and put him to the side for a minute. I've been debating, do they give Juan Lagares another try? I think we know that Juan Lagares is probably a fourth outfielder. But if you go back to his 2014 season, and I know that's a long time ago, uh, he was above, slightly above league average hitter. His defense made him quite valuable. I think, and I'm not a big war guy, and I know this is a baseball reference version, he was worth about four or five wins. That's a ton for a guy that's largely defense. So if you go that route, uh, you've got center field plugged in, then maybe you can afford to go and, and splurge and spend some money on a Moustakis if, if you want to take that chance. Uh, more than likely, I mean, another guy you could look at is um, Lorenzo Kane, who's a lot, I think, like Ligaris, but a better hitter. And here's the thing. If you're not sold on Dominic Smith, and I'm really not, I'm more bullish on Ahmed Rosario than Dominic Smith, and so was Russ Langer, who's the 51's play-by-play guy when he was on this show. What about Eric Hosmer? who's a very good first baseman. Uh, and he brings, I think you guys remember from the World Series, I think he brings that grit and that winning attitude as, as a possibility. But that would be admitting that Smith, will you use Smith to make an upgrade somewhere else? You might have to trade Dominic Smith to one of these guys. I don't think they'll trade Rosario to get what you need elsewhere. I don't think you could just go through the free agent market. So, um, thanks for the call. Appreciate that. Interesting stuff. But right now, Priority-wise, to answer that, really summarize that, you've got to go out, you've got to get some kind of veteran anchor in that rotation that gives you innings. I'm not asking for a stud. That's not what you're looking for. You're not looking for a Jake Arrieta type. R.A. Dickey, to me, if they don't pick up that option, and it's an $8 million option, and I think they're going to because I think other teams, the Braves will say, let me pick up the $8 million option, and they possibly could trade him for something. And I think I could see the Braves doing that. Um, and, I mean, the other thing is, is Cologne, does he want to continue to play? Cologne will be out there as a free agent. I don't know how much he has left. He has, quietly, if you look at his numbers, much better with the Twins over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I'll bring up his numbers real quick. By the way, I, I know we got some callers on hold. The number is 646-716-8187. I'll try to get to all of you very shortly. Not going to keep you on hold very long. Yeah, I mean... Um, he went six innings, allowed four runs uh, against the Diamondbacks. Actually, that was today, actually. So that's not bad. Um, seven, uh, five innings, three runs against the Indians. Uh, seven innings, uh, did not give up an earned run against the Brewers. And since he went to the American League, ironically, uh, his ERA is he's actually an above-league average pitcher. Uh, ERA plus of 106 which uh, he wasn't all the time. I mean, you know, his peripherals indicate that he's probably not as good as his numbers, um, but he's back to not walking batters again. Something was off in Atlanta. Maybe he was hurt. Maybe he wasn't into playing there. 
goes back to the same thing with Cespedes with these players. Always will look at a couple of things. Two players, and you all met with, and I promise, I know people are on hold, I promise I'm going to get to you, but I want to make this point. Players sometimes, when they're not into it, their, their, their stats directly are impacted. Two players in Mets history that will always go down as not being into playing here and then going somewhere else and turning it on. Ultimately, the one that comes to mind is Tony Fernandez in 1993. Look at Tony Fernandez's numbers with the Mets. Here's a guy, good shortstop, uh, you know, gold glove level shortstop, good hitter. Mets bring him in from San Diego because San Diego's having a fire sale in the offseason after the whole worst team money can buy. This guy was horrible the first two and a half months of 1993. Bad team, real bad team. Team that was lost well over 100 games. Gets traded in early June to Toronto. Turns it on. Obviously, Toronto goes and wins the World Series. Tony Fernandez is part of it. Now, he had, had been a Blue Jay, had been with the Blue Jays growing up in his career, so maybe that played into it. But going from the Mets going nowhere to a winning situation in Toronto. Tony Fernandez went back to being the player that he always was. Same thing with uh, Ricky Henderson. Now, Ricky Henderson was playing for a good Mets team in 2000, but he wasn't into playing for the Mets because they didn't give him a long-term deal, despite having a really good 1999. Mets release him. He goes to Seattle, has a a much more Ricky Henderson-like type year. So that happens. So Bartolo Colon with Minnesota is more in a high-leverage race situation. And I think at this point in his career, just like Cespedes, these guys don't want to play for all Sarans because they're not into it, especially the guy who's 44. Uh, probably, you know, definitely wants to, to set records with wins. I mean, he's got 237 wins in his career. He wants to get to 250. So he's going to want to go somewhere where he can put his six innings in, get some offense, get some wins, and, and be meaningful and have a meaningful end to his career. I'm not excusing it. It's not the best behavior, but he wasn't into playing in Atlanta. And let's face it, that home ballpark is a launching pad, which is not really good for a pitcher who, yes, when he keeps the ball down and, he, and, he, and he's changing speeds and location, he shouldn't be, it shouldn't be elevated. But regardless, I think City Field is a much better scenario for a Bartolo Colon at this point in his career. 646-716-8187 is the number. And uh, let's get to the phone lines. Let's go to the cell phone here, 917 917- Two four four. You're on the air with Mike Silva. What's your name? You're on the air, with Mike Silva. Hey, Mike. This is uh, Marcus calling from Marinex. Uh, hey, Marcus. Been post. Yeah, I've been posting for years as Mars Santi, and I spent too much time on a on a Mets <laughs> mesmerized. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, a couple things I want to throw out. Three points to kind of talk through. First one is um, Flores. Who's who's the real Flores? Right, I mean, I think he's going to break 20 home runs this year. We know his defense is suspect all over the place. But, I don't know, it just seems like we're not talking about him enough for second base, or at least, you know, internal options. Uh, second point is Gavin and Nemo. Both of these guys, are we – what do you think? Are we giving up on them? Are we giving them a look now? Are they going to be anything? Have we seen what they are? And then just the last um... point. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Let's make your last point. I'll take him in order. Go yeah, ahead. last point or last question. Just you know, some things to talk through. It's funny. All, all these uh, these pitchers we picked up, um, and everybody was posting that it was salary dump, and you know, we're just kind of moving on. But they're all high K, you know, throw, you know, guys that throw hard, low A, kind of all gets all through the minor leagues. They all fit the same profile. Just kind of weird. 
seeing the same, I don't know how many, seven players we got back? I, mean, I lost count at this point. We got the same player back, right? Same player back. It just seems like is this a new strategy, right? Is it, you know, banking on the bullpen and getting enough arms because pitchers aren't going seven anymore? It's just it's funny to see, you know, them trade everybody away for the same type of pitcher. So go ahead. I know I threw a lot at you, but. No, that's that's all good stuff and things I want to talk about. Thank you for the call, and, and hopefully you'll call back in uh, on future podcasts. And so far, the calls have been great. I haven't even gotten to the mailbag yet, so keep bringing them on, 646-716-8187, uh, 646-716-8187, and let me get into that. First, Wilmer Flores. I like Wilmer Flores. I think he's a guy that could hit. Uh, he's a guy this year that um, is, you know, is a guy who could hit 20 home runs, driving 60, 70 runs. I don't think he's a guy that you want for 550 to 600 at-bats, but I think he's a guy, and I go back to he, he's almost like Mark DeRosa, if you remember, where he could go around the diamond. Now, the problem I have with Flores is on the left side of the infield, he can't play short, and he can't play third. He can't play short, and he can't play third. We know he can't play short. The Mets getting to the World Series with he and Murphy as their up-the-middle defense is a testament to the amount of missed bats that they got out of their starting pitching obviously Familia and, and, and the bullpen in general that year because that's a bad up-the-middle defensive combo. Though I think, uh, you know, as I've looked at Murphy, I think he's improved in Washington. I don't watch him every day, but when they've seen him, uh, when the Mets have played him, Mur- maybe Murphy wasn't as bad as we thought. Maybe I was hard on Murphy. I'll be the first to say maybe I was hard on Murphy. My thing with Wilmer is I think he's more of a DH if he doesn't play that around-the-horn role. I think first base is his best position. Um, I wouldn't be afraid to try him at second, but I think he's going to be Murphy-esque at second. Forget the outfield. So you're really asking a guy who's a hitter who mainly is going to play against lefties to spot all these different positions. He's not really good defensively at any of them. The only thing I'll say is this, where I could see Flores coming into play next year, is if Dominic Smith isn't who he is, then you might need to put him at first base. So that's kind of, uh, you know, where where that's got to go. So you might want to have him. As far as all the arms, um, this is the baseball where it's going now. Uh, baseball where it's going now is, you know, all these arms and, um, you know, ha- throw hard, High velocity, probably tall. I mean, all they were all mostly right-handed. You know, lefties tend to be more crafty. And uh, this is where the game is going. They like guys like Neil Ramirez. Like, think about Neil Ramirez, all the shots he's getting. Because he has a high strikeout rate. But to me, you can have a high strikeout rate and not know how to pitch. And there is a lot of guys who do not know how to pitch. You throw hard. Hansel Robles is the guy that comes to mind. So, you know, that that to me is a big part of it. I got to be fair. I got to be honest. I forgot the second point you made. So if you throw it out on Twitter at Mike Silva Media or back on Metsmerize, I apologize. I was writing the notes down, and then the whole Flores thing came to mind, and, and I really got engrossed in that. So I apologize. I missed the point on the second one, and um, I feel bad because I really think it was – I thought all three of your points were good. So shame on me. I should have finished writing it down, but then I got to the – I got to the whole young arms and then the Flores thing, and I kind of blanked out a little bit on the second point. So I apologize for that. But um, tweet at me, send it, put it in metsmorizedonline.com. 
I have to update that comment section anyway. I got to get to the phone lines. We got some more calls to get to. But um, yeah, please, thank you for the call. I mean, awesome call so far. You guys have been, you guys uh, have have been great, um, really great so far. Um, let's go back to the phone lines again. We have uh, another nine one seven nine one seven nine seven nine. What's your name? You're on the air with Mike Silva. Hey, how you doing? My name's Frank. I'm calling from New York. Uh, how you doing tonight? Hey, Frank. What's going on? Nothing much, man. We, we talk about guys like Wilma Flores. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, you really got to ask yourself, uh, how big's the guy's cock? And when he puts it in your ass, is there shit on his dick? I think these are uh, important questions. And when you gargle his balls in your mouth, uh, it's can you. I mean, come on, guys. Come on. I knew we'd eventually get one of those. And you know what? I didn't get to the, and I apologize if you guys listen, I didn't get to the button as quick as I want, but. If that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. I mean, come on. Really? Is that, you know? Um, actually, let me get back. TRS86 was actually the prior caller before we had that nonsense that just came uh, into play. was on uh, Chichini and Nimmo. Uh, I don't think Nimmo is an everyday player. I want to get back to that. That was the second point for the prior call. I don't think Nimmo is an everyday player. Um, and uh, Shishini, I'm not really sure about. Again, I don't think you could give Shashini the second-base job, although they may have to come in and try to do a T.J. Rivera, Shashini, Wilmer situation as to who gets the, the position if they go out and they sign, let's say, a Moustakis type. Because I don't think they're going to have the money to bring in, let's say, or the budget to say, and I'll get to that because that's actually interesting about the budget. I learned something today. At least I think I'm reading it correctly. To go, okay, Moustakis, bring back Neil Walker, and let's say they're not happy with Ligaris, they want to go Lorenzo King. I don't think they could sign three offensive players at that level and get it a starting pitcher uh, as well. So um, um, that's where Sashini might get some play as a second baseman. Um, I think short, you know, third base shortstop. I know that there's been a lot of uh, question about his defense. I don't even know if he'll get a chance to play second on a consistent basis. I, I personally, listening to Sandy Alderson, it doesn't seem like he's really into him. And he didn't have a great year offensively down in Vegas. Something bothers them about Chichini, even though he's their number one uh, first round draft pick. And those guys tend to get a lot of rope to hang themselves here. So. Um, uh, and again, I apologize for the last call. I see some comments in the comments. I don't know who he is, this guy. Probably his name is not Frank. I have his phone number. Maybe I should give him a call after the show and just say, hey, man, you know, why don't you give me an idea of what that's all about. But let's not even give credence to it. So uh, we got a couple more calls. Again, the number is 646-716-8187. They keep coming fast and furious. Good stuff tonight, guys. Uh, it's an area code. It's a 412 area code, 423 you're on the air with Mike Silva. How you doing? What's your name? Big fat salty balls in your goddamn mouth. I mean, now I gotta make sure that I get the guy. So, um, Skype line. You're on the air with Mike Silva. Hello? What's your name and what's? Hello. How are you? Hello. Oh, does this say does this say Skype line? Uh, it's a private line, yeah, or some kind of private yeah, line. Yeah, no, this is yes. a private line. This ain't a Skype line. That's okay. Okay. Um, That's okay. What's your name? What do you want to talk about? Oh, uh, my name's AC, and I want to talk about uh, the future plans going forward. Um, I'll, 
I was looking at free agency, man, and I think I, we got to we got to fix this pitching staff. You cannot count on Stephen Matz to go out there every fifth day. He can't even last a half a year. And you can't count on Wheeler or anybody else. You got to get new pitchers. That's the problem what? this year. Was the hello? Yeah. Well, the staff. Listen, if the Mets before they made the deals, if you did their run differential and you took last year's pitching or the way the pitching performed last year with this year's offense, mm-hmm. at one point they were up towards where the Houston Astros were in, in, in one loss. I haven't figured it out in a couple of weeks, but you're right. I don't think you could purge the whole staff, though. I mean, that's expensive. Oh, no, and I wouldn't I don't purge think the guys whole staff at all. Oh, no, I wouldn't purge, just... purge the whole staff at all. What I would do is I, you, you bring back DeGrom and Syndergaard, obviously. Those guys are going to anchor your rotation. I mean, if they go down, you ain't going to win anyway. But So, you, I mean, you hope that they stay healthy and that they can anchor your rotation. It's like anything else. Um, we were a mess. I'm just kind. I'm just kind of sick of them. Always. I, how many times have you heard uh, they're going on the disabled list? It's just. It's too much with them. I think they need to go out. I love the Dickey idea. Cologne's probably too old, but you know something. I need. I need to find something. Maybe not a big pitcher. Somebody we're not thinking of. Somebody who can just be a back end like a, like a Lugo but he's hurt too that type yeah well I'll throw some names at you let's see what you think of some of these names um, here's who's out here's who's uh, available let me well Jaime Garcia is going to be available that's one that name. would be a, that would be a good signing because I was watching uh, the Yankee game the other day uh, while I was I just I just turned on for a bit and you know he looks. Oh yeah, and I was watching when they played when he came to City Field too. I was watching both actually, and he came to a, he was with Atlanta too. So I've actually seen him a bit. He would not be a bad signing. I mean, I know that name doesn't scream. Oh, this guy's going to win twenty games. This guy's going to be great. But he he would probably be a much a much better option than Matt's next year, which is a shame, but it's true. So I would well then you you you're that. talking about not maybe putting Matt's in the bullpen, or you think Matt should be yeah, trade you know, bait? Because you're going to be trading him at, you know at low value right now. No, I would think I'd, I'd let him come. I'd, well, some if, if I can get some for him, I'll do it. But if I can't, if, you know, if I'm getting a right-handed reliever prospect, then I'll bring him to spring training and see if they can win a job or if they got to go to the minor leagues or the bullpen. But if I can get some, some – if I can get like a starting second baseman or even a utility guy – I mean, depending on the age and the contract, I might have to consider that because these guys have single, these guys have single-handedly, I believe, made this. Because like you did the run differential, correct? We'd be like a Houston yep. Astro type team. I mean, if that's you had last year's scary. pitching. And now remember, if these guys all have pitching. benchmarks, though. I mean, remember, it's not like, and I know it's not a long one. It's, you know, I understand injuries and Harvey. You know, his benchmark prior uh, Harvey, to. I think Harvey is. Um, you know, I love Matt, and I have a shirt, but I don't do I mean, He has thoracic acid syndrome. Remember, that surgery does not fix the syndrome. It only relieves it. Right. So I Correct. think he might be a guy I, have, I might have to non-tender, because if these guys save $4 bucks for Jay Bruce, who was productive, and they just let him go for money, how can you justify giving Harvey millions of dollars when his, when, when his arm is not even good? It's not going to be good ever again, probably. So he's a guy that has to. So you would let Harvey. So basically you're a proponent not well, to pay Harvey. You know, non-tender Harvey, maybe sign him at a lower yeah, rate. Uh, wait a second. Uh, did I say 
Did I say earlier in the call that I said Harvey should be in the rotation? I must well, have got him confused then. I meant Montero. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, so you meant so, so you got Mont- right. not Harvey Montero. Right. I'm sorry about that. Right. I mean, right. Harvey's right. just right. falling down so quickly. It's, it's weird to say that, but it's true. My bad. Well, here's the thing. These guys have to – the only guys, in my opinion, going into spring training in the starting rotation that have earned a spot are mm-hmm. Jacob deGrom and, and, of course. and Syndergaard. Because I think Syndergaard – If he's healthy, yep. If he's healthy. And, I, and it's, his injury, out of all the injuries, I know that it's still a, a lat, is, is not the most mm-hmm. serious one. Harvey's is serious. And, look, Harvey's going to have to almost pitch himself back in the rotation. I think Matt has to pitch himself back in the rotation – Wheeler has to pitch himself back in the rotation. Even Montero. I mean, Montero is a guy that I still think does not attack hitters. Um, oh, but he's I pitched agree, a lot definitely. better. Uh, Lugo's got this ticking time. I mean, I can't be a hypocrite. I used to criticize Tanaka. He's got this ticking time bomb elbow. I think Lugo would be a great um, fourth, fifth guy. Uh, maybe better, maybe a three guy if he was healthy. And then Gazelman. All those guys have to prove themselves. That's why I think you bring in one veteran. I think Dickey's a good uh, a good name. I mean, there's not much Absolutely. else there. I mean, another another name I could throw at you. Um, I was just looking at it, and, and it actually uh, uh, Jason Vargas, who now he might cost that you a would be that I would consider that because Jason Vargas. I know he got off to the good start. Maybe he hasn't done as well lately. But you know what? If if I heard that they signed a Vargas and Garcia, or heck, even one of them, you know what? I'll take it because I can count on that for 30 starts more than I can count on any of these other guys. And about Montero quick, I said I would put him in the rotation. That's only assuming he finishes the year strong. Like he had a, he had a strong outing the other night and he had a strong outing at Yankee stadium. If he pitches like this to September, I'm going up to him saying, Hey, listen, don't worry about next year. You're in the rotation. And everybody like it actually, if anybody comes back strong and pitches well, that actually includes, Maybe it even includes Harvey, but it includes um, um, Matt and Wheeler. If those guys come back and, you know, well, I know Matt's actually healthy right now, but um, if he pitches, I, I, I think he's got to go to the minor leagues, actually, to be honest. Not, I think, and you know what? I even said earlier in the year it wasn't a crime to try to send Harvey down. Uh, I still question if yeah, it's all physical too. with Harvey or it's it's mental. You know, it could be mental too. I'm not sure. Look, let's also face it. You got a really good pitching coach. Slow mental, I guess. You got. Oh yeah, pitching coach, man. I'll tell you, he is somebody that that should have been gone a long time ago. I am so sick of Dan Worthen. You shouldn't have even brought it up because if there's one guy I could, if if I got magical powers to can a guy on the team, it would be Dan Worthen. He would be gone as soon as I could blink my next eyeball. I cannot stand him. Good, good call, my man. Keep up, you know. Thank you so much. You Thank you, Mike. Good stuff. You made up for, uh, I guess, a couple of uh, inappropriate calls earlier. And I got a five one three area code on hold. I'm almost dreading going to it because who knows what that's going to bring. So, anyway, the number six four six seven one six eight one eight seven. Before I get to the next call, and I got a couple people on hold. Um, you know, it sounds like a, a a theme. I'll 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 say this. You got to make sure all these pitchers, whoever the pitching coach, the manager is, whether it's still the same two guys, hopefully not, or somebody else, um, you got to make sure they understand they have to earn their spot in the rotation. You know, the only guys I think that have a leg up are, again, like I said, DeGrom and Syndergaard. And if you bring in a veteran, whether it be Jaime Garcia or Jason Vargas or R.A. Dickey or, or Cologne or whatever it may be, and I really think they have to do that, 
those are the only guys. Then you basically have two spots left, and everybody else is either competing for A, that spot, B, a bullpen roll, C, the minor leagues. Nobody's guaranteed anything. I don't care that, that Matt's pitched the World Series. The only thing I'll say is this, unless they are compromised, and the only one I believe that may be compromised to a point where I'm not sure he could ever be the pitcher he was is Harvey. I don't think Matt's is in that situation. I don't think Syndergaard's in that situation. I never was big on Wheeler. I think Gazelman just needs uh, uh, you know, to get fixed because you're not going to tell me all of a sudden he's as bad as he's been. And I think a lot of that has to go with the pitching coach. And I think the pitching coach that certainly would be my choice would be the guy at AAA, Frank Viola. I've spoken to Frank. I've interviewed Frank. Frank had his own issues as a pitcher, and Johnny Padres had such a great impact on him. And that's the one thing that I always just drives me nuts, especially when it comes to sports talk discussion. You know, the fans, they, they dismiss the pitching coach. The hitting coach, I think Kevin Long has had a really good impact on some of these left-handed hitters, like a Jay Bruce. I think, no surprise, he, I think he's had one of his better years, and Long was here for that. Daniel Murphy, we'll see if he can do some things with maybe Nimmo and so on and so forth. But, you know, uh, to me, you know, the impact of the pitching coach is so much so much greater and so much more important than any other coach on, on the staff. So, uh, good call, good call. Let's go to the 513 area code, uh, 513-288. You're on the air with Mike Silver. What's your name? Uh, yeah, my name is Alex. How long have you known you were gay? Oh, so there we go. So now we're, we're back to that. So we're on, uh, we're on a roll here, guys. Guys, it doesn't matter, man. You're, just, you're trying to ruin the show, and that's fine, but it doesn't bother me, so... Let's try uh, 619-745. You're on the air with Mike Silva. Mike, hi. 619-745? Uh, okay, so, yes, can you hear me? Yeah, you got it. Okay, all right. So, uh, between the pitchers, let's talk Noah, Matt, David, and Jacob. Um, yes. Who, who, would, who would be your number one pick if you, had to, uh, if you were to line them up? Your starter? Uh, and in the mid, and then your your finisher. What in terms of the rotation? Yes, correct. I'm sorry. Yes, correct. I should have worded that better. Uh, I mean, you know, the Grom to me is the best out of all three of them. He's the ace of the staff. He's proven all. I know he didn't have a good outing today, but everybody else falls behind the Grom. Yeah, he does. I mean, he, he's yeah. the, I mean uh, you, okay. the rest of these guys have to prove themselves. Of course, of course. And uh, one, another question about the infielder, uh, uh, Jose um, uh, Reyes. Jose Reyes? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I don't know if you uh, were aware, but just, just, I think it was on Twitter, just about two hours ago, he was arrested. And uh, I'm wondering. I didn't. I didn't hear. I didn't hear that. And I was on Twitter two hours ago. If he was arrested, believe me. If he was arrested, there would be a whole bunch of stuff going online on that. So, all right. Let's. We're we're slowly. We might have to get to the mailbag. And I do want to get to the mailbag. So. Uh, uh, so anyway, let me get to the 209 area code 209304. You're on the air with Mike Silva. What's your name? You're on the air with Mike Silva. Yeah, my name is James Anderson, sir. Hello, James. How are you? Yep. Very well, thank you. Okay, so here we go. Uh, question regarding uh, – it's funny. I just heard that gentleman talk about Jose, and, and uh, I heard I heard the same thing. He was just re- – not to – just recently. 
All right, one more shot. Five six one seven three nine. You're on the air with Mike Silva. Five six one seven three nine. You're on the air with Mike Silva. Yeah, you got balls in your mouth. Otherwise, it's all right. Well, then, so now we got. So unfortunately, it looks like the phone lines have turned to uh, something less than what we wanted to. It was going really, really well, but uh, uh, Jose Reyes being arrested, I, I don't see that. Um, and you know, again, you just it's not really something that's that's concerning me right now you know it's it's uh all right let's take a quick break when we return let's get to the mailbags wrap up the show on a positive note you're listening to the talking mets podcast here i'm your host mike silva check out the show all the time at mesmerizedonline.com send me a tweet at mike silva media and you get the show on itunes soundcloud stitcher whatever podcasting service you desire we'll be back right after this Hey Mets fans, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. We're back. Uh, let's get to some comments here from the mailbag. Uh, unfortunately, guys, uh, if it's not uh, an area code that I mentioned, I'm going to have to refrain from it. And, uh, you know, listen, you're right. I saw some comments. I needed a screen caller. I, I didn't think we needed to get to that. You know, obviously, people like to have some fun here, and, and that's all cool and good to go. And, 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 and that's, you know, it is what it is. Let's get to the mailbag. So uh, this was something interesting, and I think it's, uh, it was a very thought-provoking name that um, came up from Anthony over at MetsmerizedOnline.com, and he said, uh, should the Mets try and acquire Jock Peterson from the Dodgers? Despite the bad season, he's still young and is a true center fielder. He shouldn't cost much either. Well, listen, at first when I heard Jock Peterson, I was like, geez, I go, that doesn't really, that's not really a name that I'm, I'm, I'm all that interested in, 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 in entertaining. You know, you had a bad series against the Mets, in the NLDS a couple of years ago, strikes out a lot. Yeah, he's got power, but you know, and, and he hasn't really shown much speed from a stolen base perspective in, in, in the big leagues like he did in the minors. He always seemed like a guy that hasn't hit potential. But I started to look at his numbers, and I'm actually going to bring him up right here. And he's had a, a, a below-average season uh, this year, but he had a good series against Washington last year in the playoffs. Um, he's been significantly above league average in both 2015 and 2016 in the regular season. So his batting average was only 210 in 2015, but it went up to 246. Uh, he is young. I don't know if the Dodgers are really looking to give up on him. I think they just send him down to the minor leagues. They got Granderson, and they're looking to win a pennant right now, and they're not looking to develop Jack Peterson. So I would not trade for him and give something up of value unless you're at a point where you're like, hey, here's our – 
disappointing prospect for yours, and you bring him in, and then the whole goal with that is to have he and Lagares basically split time and, uh, and, and, and play center field at that point, and Lagares would spell him against the tough lefties. I haven't seen Peterson day in and day out. The only thing I'll say is somebody who strikes out at the level, I mean, it was 170 times two years ago. That's not the type of player I typically like uh, to hang my hat on. He, he does have a decent on-base percentage. He does walk quite a bit. He's somebody that fits that mold of what Sandy Olson would be looking for. And if Kevin Long is going to be around, he's lefty, somebody that maybe Kevin Long could work with and really improve and work, and, and work with. Uh, I, I think that's an excellent idea, and it was something that when I first saw the question, Anthony, it just was something I really turned my nose up uh, to. Let's go to Pete. Uh, Pete says, forget Conforto as the team leader. Too early for that. Right now, this team is rudderless, and has and as for a $110 million man, he's been a total bust in the first year of his deal. The worst part is his lackadaisical play and the attitude when healthy. Not only is he not leading, he can't even model good fundamentals for the youngsters. Um, Look, we, we talked about Cespedes earlier. As far as leadership, I saw that column in the post about Conforto and leadership. Leadership is an organic thing. You can't just bestow it upon somebody. Conforto continues to go out, continues to play hard, continues to improve, continues to put the numbers up that he's put up. I don't, I'm not going to say he's going to be that leader because sometimes being a leader has to do with your personality and your aura and your presence. And putting some time in, I mean, it's one thing for David Wright, who's been through a lot with this team and learned from some of the, the veterans that he came up with, like Cliff Floyd and Paul Duca and guys like that early in his career. I mean, Conforto's only been here, it's been exactly two years, if you look, because he came up at the, at the midpoint of 2015. He really hasn't earned that. He's had a really good offensive season, and I need to see more. Let's see how he plays. Let's see how he comports himself while this team is out of the race. It goes back to the introduction. And what I was saying about how important it is for this team and for these guys, despite being out of the race, to, um, uh, you know, to, to end up on a positive note and show you that they're actually uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, serious. Now I'm getting something from MetsmerizedOnline.com uh, that Reyes was just arrested and he's covered in blood. So I apologize. I guess maybe uh, – uh, you know, that's from MetsmerizedOnline.com. Where are you guys seeing this? I have not, uh, I have not seen this Jose Reyes stuff. And this is coming from our friend. Uh, this is a direct message from. Uh, oh no, he's just going LOL. That's that's our buddy Joe D from Metsmerized Online. You guys are really playing it off on me today. You know what? I pride myself on saying to myself, "Geez, now I get it from MetsmerizedOnline.com." So Joe, you're just kidding. Geez, you got me there, Joe. So even Joe D's getting in on the action here. When it comes to uh, Jose Reyes getting arrested, I was like, Jesus, what's going on here? Um, but anyway, uh, that's my the, the deal with Michael uh, Conforto. Um, let's get more to the mailbag. Let's go to the mailbag again. There's actually another really good co- comment on the mailbag, and I want to get into the payroll. This actually, yes, this goes right into what I wanted to talk to you guys about and something I talked about with the payroll. So Alex and Yonkers, it says here, so according to Sandy, the $11 million in the, the Mets recouped from trading due to Bruce, Granderson, and Reed may not be reinvested in the team next season. If true, that would bring payroll back around $120 million or in the bottom half of MLB. What are your thoughts on that? When I first, and I know that everybody's reacting to 
the Anthony Reber column over on Newsday where he's the headline says and the insinuation from the column is that the Mets are not going to reinvest money and spend this winter. There is nothing sourced about that column, I want to say. Nothing. That is a writer who is taking a lot of payroll Mets narratives and writing an opinion piece. And because he writes for Newsday, and I've had Anthony on the show, and I, I think he's a good guy, and I'm not saying that he, he's not entitled to having his opinion. I think the problem I have with that particular piece is that it's almost leading the readers to believe that it's sourced, and it's not. Um, and that, to me, is is not – I don't want to say it's not responsible. You almost have to – position it a little bit differently because it's going to create a reaction from the fan base and, and a negative one. I don't think it's fair to the team. Um, I think the Mets, like I said, I went to Cots Contracts. If you go to Cots Contracts, you can go out there and take a look and it will give you basically uh, a tracker from 2017 all the way to 2022 with Mets payroll. And if you factor in, right now the Mets, before any of their arbitration players, have about $59 million that they're obligated to pay next year. $20 million of that is David Wright, which is probably going to be covered by insurance because I don't think Wright – I know that was a question earlier. I don't think Wright's coming back. I, I Actually, as a matter of fact, everything indicates that Wright's not coming back uh, at all to uh, uh, spinal stenosis. I mean he could try all he wants, even if he was able to somehow take the field. I don't think defensively he can play a position that he can even, from a major league caliber perspective, uh, contribute. So forget that for a minute. So $20 million of that is probably not going to be an obligation that the Mets are going to have to pay. If you factor in all the different arbitration points, and if they don't non-tender any of these pitchers, I certainly don't think they're going to non-tender Harvey and things like that, there's probably another $40 million bucks that are obligated to. A.J. Ramos is up for arbitration. Familia... And, and, and so on. So you, you're working with a $100 million base. If you go to the $54 million that they spent this year, they have about $50 million to spend. Now, what's very interesting is that they also have a tab next to all this COTS contracts. So you really should go. Go to COTS contracts because I think you guys – nobody talks about this. And it talks about how the Mets fare versus the tax threshold, which the tax threshold is – Right now, for next year, $197 million. So if they go up to that amount, which is 154 you have to remember the tax threshold for this year also calculates estimated player benefits, which are about $13, $14 million, and whatever you're paying the 40-man players on the minor league salaries that are on the 40-man rosters. Some of those are, are guys that are not going to see the big league club, but are getting paid. That all factors in. The Mets are only about 20 to $21 million below the tax threshold this year. That tax threshold is another 20% on top of that. That's something even the Yankees are trying to get under. So when you think about it, it's not as crazy to see. Um, it's not as crazy to say, you know, um, um this team has to be a little bit more careful about their spending than, than everyone's making it out to be. Um, 
they're not going to go above that 20% threshold. If the Yankees don't want to do it, the Mets are not going to want to do it. And I didn't realize that the player benefits and the 40-man minor league type of salaries play into this. So when they say the Mets aren't spending, I'm not saying that you guys are wrong. I'm not defending ownership here. Believe me. But it's not as egregious when you start to break it down. And go to Cots Contracts. Go to the, uh, the tracker. Go and take a look at, uh, uh, you know, when you see the tax uh, uh, tab over there. And take a look. Now, the, the, the tax threshold goes up as each year goes up. I think it goes from 195 this year to 197 and all the way up in 2022 to about $210 million or so. But it is something that you have to consider, and it is something that's, that's part of the decision-making process. And it's something that nobody in the media is talking about. And I think, it would be, I think it would be more responsible for them to do that research and to factor it in so that they can make a fair commentary and opinion piece rather than a narrative-driven – I mean, really, the Reber piece, if you look at Newsday, is borderline a WFAN caller. And again, I'm not trying to be rude to Anthony, but I could get that kind of nonsense on WFAN. So and No, and I saw that uh, at Ellisville. I'm not trying to be a Wilpon apologist here. I'm not. Believe me. I'm trying to show you, I'm trying to look at this as objectively as possible, because that's what the first person, uh, uh, <clears throat> so, you know, and again, I see Sarge, Sarge 69, I did not want anybody, uh, you know, to be offended, I saw to be offended about the caller calling in, uh, I, I now have a kind of an idea of what those numbers are, and anybody that's not from a New York number, I'm going to have to, or from a, uh, uh, you know, some one of those type of situations, I'm going to have to uh, cut off. Anyway, I'm going to try to go back to the phone lines, uh, 646-716-8187. I got a 718 uh, area code. 718 you're on the air with Mike Silver. Mike Silver. Yeah. yeah. Ah, that's probably not something we could do. All right, but again, I... I I apologize if you have kids. I'm not trying to offend anybody. Uh, I do the best I can do, um, you know, with this whole thing. I do feel bad about it, and I hope I hope because I think the show is going really well even before that. So, anyway, um, it is what it is. You know, unfortunately, you know that's part of, and getting a call screener is not exactly as easy as uh, it may seem, but it's something that, uh, of course. Uh, is something that we have to take a look at as uh, we go forward. Trying to uh, go in and um, and see if I've uh, answered everything else. Any other questions, of course, put in the comments section. I think we've uh, pretty much hit everything uh, that we wanted to talk about. I know there was a ton of stuff, and, and certainly next time I think I want to take some notes and maybe uh, you know see exactly where um, some of the earlier comments. Cause I think some of the earlier comments then wind up getting uh, kind of blocked out. But anyway, some programming notes as we wrap up here. Um, trying to get this thing back to an every Sunday thing. I know that uh, you know it's been a little bit off because of the trade deadline. We had the Subway Series and Dave Malicki, and I hope you enjoyed that. It was it was kind of cool to see Dave Malicki on the uh, the Subway Series this past. I guess it was Monday night uh, with Gary, Keith, and Ron, and uh, you know he he came on way before that. He came on with. Uh, with uh, with the uh, Talking Mets podcast. So, and again, uh, I know some of you guys are upset about the crank calls. Not something that uh, you know I planned, and uh, you know, not something I was happy about. And and certainly, I think if you go back and listen to this program, I think there's a lot of uh, cool stuff early on that you know certainly 
you know, certainly, uh, you know, made this a really fun call-in show. So anyway, let's wrap up. I think we need to call it a night. I think we've had a, an interesting night nonetheless. And, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a pretty cool show. I'll be back next Sunday. We'll, we'll continue to take it from there. Of course, I want to thank everybody here from MetsmerizedOnline.com that actually contributed positively to the show. Of course, you can check out the show all the time at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the replay of the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thanks for a pretty fun, interesting, and uh, different show. I'll see you guys all next week. Take care. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.